Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. to see there are some people awake this morning who uh, endured the outdoor weather to get here. I told somebody this morning, somebody forgot to turn the heat on outside. Uh, I went to get mail from the mailbox here at church this morning, and I I was like, do I have a winter jacket on? Because it's freezing. It's so cold. Uh, But I'm so glad that you're here today for Super Bowl Sunday. All right, so we got to find out. I know that the Packers aren't, aren't, aren't in the Super Bowl, but are there any Rams fans here? Oh. All right, so I'm the only one voting for the Rams. Uh, that's good to know. All right, how about some Bengal fans? Do we have some Bengal fans? All right, so there's some people rooting for the Bengals. Uh, so we'll see who comes out on top uh, tonight. And it's uh, always exciting to have the Super Bowl But you know what? There's another game to be played yet today, and that's right here at Hillside. Uh, And it's a game that involves our hearts and our spirits, and God is going to come out victorious today. Amen? Amen? So if you're a guest with us, welcome to Hillside Assembly. We're going to have a great worship experience today. Uh, If you'd like to know more about our church, you can go to our website, hillsideassembly.org. A lot of your questions can be answered there. There's also links to all of our content and some tools uh, to help you in your spiritual journey. We do services here a little bit differently. Uh, we'll, in just a few moments, we'll have Robin and the worship team do a worship set with us to kind of just set the tone for what God wants to speak into our lives. And then at the end of service, we'll go back into another worship set and for us to have an opportunity to reflect on what God has spoken into our life. We also do uh, give you an opportunity for tithe and giving. We'll do that at the end of service. You can give in the box in our foyer, uh, or you can always give online at hillsideassembly.org. Well, we've got some great announcements, but one announcement that is not in there this morning, if I can meet with our Kenya team right after service for just a few moments, that would be great. I'd like to give you guys some updates uh, on what that missions trip uh, is looking like currently. So Kenya team, if you can meet with me after service, That would be phenomenal. But let's go to our announcements this morning. Well, good morning, Hillside. Who's excited to be in church today? Woo, well, we got a great worship experience planned. Let's roll into some announcements today. Next weekend, John and Amanda Olson Pastors from Lighthouse Assembly in Mid Morning, February 9th. That evening, February 9th, Marriage Night. John and Amanda will be sharing experiences from their marriage and encouraging you to have a vibrant, healthy relationship. Please see Pam or Hannah in the foyer after today's worship experience to get your tickets. On that Sunday, John Olson will end our weekend by preaching our morning worship experience 
on Sunday, February 20th. Also, Sunday, February 20th, following the morning worship experience, Adrian and Hannah would like to meet with all junior high and senior high students for 10 to 15 minutes in our lounge. Please make this a priority. This year's annual church business meeting will be held Sunday, February 27th, following the morning worship experience. Child care will be available and will feed all children a lunch. You can pick up your annual reports today in the foyer. All church members not available to attend this year's meeting can request an absentee ballot. Finally, here at Hillside, we love to support our community, and this year's Firefighters Barbecue is on March 6th from 11 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. If you'd like to get a ticket, please see Ron Fader in our foyer after the morning worship experience. Adult tickets are $11, and children under 10 eat free. Well, we sure got a lot of great stuff happening here at Hillside. I hope you're excited about all that. Hey, let's welcome Pastor Eric back up here on the platform because we're going to do something special today. It's always something special at Hillside, uh, but today is a special day. I I'm going to ask if a couple of our board members are available to join me uh, on the platform this morning. Uh, today's a great day because we are inducting five new individuals uh, for church membership. And uh, I'd ask the following people to join me on the platform as well. Steve Youngworth, Kathy Youngworth, Jeff Vanderscaff, Adrian Granados, and Hannah Granados. I feel like we're like doing the Hall of Fame for the NFL. Like, come on up. Uh, you get your yellow jackets today. No, I'm just kidding. We don't have a jacket for you. But we do want to talk a little bit about membership and the importance of it. And so we're going to get to pray for these individuals in just a moment. Uh, everyone is welcome to attend and participate uh, in worship experiences and in ministry at Hillside Assembly. Membership is a deeper commitment to the Lord and to the local church body. In 1 Timothy 3.15, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy that the church is the household of the living God. The church is the body of Christ in which Christ is the head, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. As believers in Christ, we are related to each other as members of his body. And that's why the church is sometimes referred to as a family. The people behind us, sorry, the people behind me have been brought into this family through their personal confession and faith in Jesus Christ. Having been examined and, appro uh, and approved for church membership here at Hillside Assembly, they come to publicly receive and be welcomed into this congregation. These five individuals on stage have gone through our five-week foundations class and agreed to the basic commitments of church membership, like faithful church attendance, to strive for unity within the church body, to maintain a close relationship with Jesus through their spiritual disciplines. Through investing in this church and the use of their talents and spiritual gifts for the building of the church body, and by, and by adherence to the basic theological beliefs, core values, vision, and ministry of Hillside Assembly. So church, would you stretch out a hand to those up here who are now stepping into membership of this church body? Almighty God, by the love of Jesus Christ, you draw people to yourself and welcome them into the house of faith. May we show your joy by embracing new brothers and sisters as we bear your creative and redeeming word, breaking of bread and the Jesus Christ. 
Amen. I will tell you this about these five individuals. They share a passion that I do, and that's reaching the lost. And I hope you share that same passion. Would you acknowledge those who are stepping into membership this morning with a hand clap? Thank you all for being here this morning. You can go back to your seats. Uh, It's great to have you as part of our team as we continue to move forward. And Jeff is very grateful uh, because he told me earlier, he said, look, I'll do anything for the church. I just don't want to get up front on the platform uh, in front of people. So uh, it's over. We've gone through it. Um, I just want to let you know that membership is always open here at Hillside. We we ran a, a membership class uh, here just, uh, just before Christmas. We will run another one probably in the fall looking at the church calendar. So if you're interested in church membership, talk to us. We will, there will be opportunities uh, for you to engage uh, in that way. Well, who's ready for worship this morning? Amen. Amen. Before we do that, let's pray. Uh, we've got some that aren't with us this morning because they're sick. Uh, others who have family members that are ill this morning, we want to pray for them. And uh, I received word uh, earlier this weekend uh, that the Assemblies of God pastor in Waupon uh, is in the hospital with COVID. And so we want to pray for him as well. You might have needs as well, and you need God to step in and, and fill the gap, wherever or whatever that might be in your life. Well, this morning, let's, let's ask the Lord to do that. Let's call upon his name together. Let's do that right now. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together in this house of worship. Lord, we are, we are not an elite church. We are just one of many bodies in this area that are gathered together this morning. But Lord, we want to call upon your name. We want to meet with you. We want to be in your presence. We want to have you speak to our hearts. We want to have you move in whatever way that you want to in our life today. And Lord, we bring our needs to you. There are many who are ill this morning, not able to be here. We pray for healing for their bodies. Lord, we pray for loved ones who are struggling with all sorts of different issues or ailments or situations this morning, that, God, you would step in, intervene, and guide and direct the situations that our loved ones find themselves in. And, Lord, this morning we lift up a brother in Christ, the lead pastor over in Waupon. Lord, would you open his lungs? Would you breathe afresh? And we pray for that church body this morning as they meet to do worship that, God, you would move powerfully in that service, that you would feed your saints this morning, and that, Lord, that that pastor would be at ease knowing that, Lord, your people are right where they need to be and that you have directed this worship experience for them exactly the way that you want to. Lord, as we turn our hearts to a time of praise and worship, as we prep our hearts for what you want to do in this service, Lord, may we let go. Let go of the burdens let go of the distractions. Lord, in some ways, can we let go of ourself to put you in the center, to put you in the middle, to focus in on you and allow you to do whatever you want to do in and through us today. And God's people said, well, let's worship together this morning. Robin, would you lead us? Will you stand to your feet? Let me read this scripture from Philippians chapter 2. Therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory 
of God the Father. Someday, we're going to be in heaven, and we're going to crown Jesus King of kings and Lord of lords. But this morning, we get to do it here. We get to celebrate because of the joy of the Lord, and we get to crown him King of kings. about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we worship him today. Do you got the joy of the Lord this morning? Amen. We're going to see if our hand clapping can help with that too this morning. So we're going to sing this song, The House of the Lord. We worked on this this morning, so let's see if we can do this, all right? One, two, three, four. Put your hands together.
worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. Our God, He holds the victory. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We won't. We, we sing today. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. Sing that again, that chorus. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We were the beggars. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. 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 Oh, give the Lord a shout and clap offering of praise this morning. Jesus, you are Lord of this place. Worship you, Jesus. Well, I hope there's some joy in this house this morning.
Oh, come on. Is there some joy in this house this morning? There better be, because in just a few moments, God is going to speak to his people. Uh, wow, what a privilege and an honor it is to deliver a message from God, but also to receive one. Uh, and so you can be seated this morning. Uh, I think it's a special time. Let's, let's go to Jeb and see what time it is. <gasps> Do you know what time it is? It's time for the AG Express Kids Ministry. So at this time, if all the kiddos can get up on their feet and head to the back door with Miss Jackie, we're going to have a great time down in Kids Church. Let's go! I love that whistle. Well, this morning is unique for me as a pastor because I have two Game time is not till 5 o'clock. Wednesday night, I, I shared in Bible study uh, something, and ever since, I've had a wrestling in my spirit, feeling that maybe there are people here who need to hear that. Um, and I still haven't made up my mind on which way we're going to go. So you know what you do when you, you, you get yourself in this type of situation? That's right. We've done all the prep work to go in either direction. So now, let's pray one last time, and then I'm going to make a choice, and we're going to step into what God has. Amen? This is crazy. I've never done this before. Um, but let's do it together. Let's step into it as a body of Christ together this morning. Lord, we've gathered in this place not to play church, but to be the church. And Lord, there is a word that needs to be heard today to change and transform someone's life, both here and online. Lord, you've given two words to me, and I need direction on which way to go. So, Lord, I ask for your wisdom, and I ask that whatever choice I make is the choice that you have for us, and that you would move powerfully uh, in the next few moments that we have together diving into your word. We give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going we're gonna to pass out some notes for you. I'm going to clear my stuff so that I can be clear on what we're going to talk about. Uh, so I've got uh, two gentlemen that are going to pass out some notes because I want you to be able to take these notes home with you today uh, and to be able to, to apply God's Word because application of God's Word is what? I don't know. I've never set that question up that way before. Uh, it's, it's important. It's transformational. That's right. Because the power of God's Word is in its... It works a lot better when I set up the question better. Um, we're going to jump into today's message, and we're going to talk about seven steps of victory. But to do that, we kind of got to recap where we were last week. We've been going through the book of Mark, and in the process of doing that, the whole goal is to say to ourselves, we want to be just like Jesus. And we've learned that sometimes as a church culture, uh, what we've done, what, how we do church, how we live, and how we do ministry as Christians has sometimes been more based on what has been set for an example to us than to get back to the core of God's Word and what it actually says about ministry and living and how to be the church. So we're working through the book of Mark, and when we're done with Mark, we're going to jump into the book of Acts, and that's exciting. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come, because we're getting closer and closer to the end of the book of Mark. And we're at this point in Jesus' ministry uh, where it's pre-crucifixion, but it's some very difficult things that he's enduring and, and going through the process of, uh, of his last time with his disciples before his arrest 
and now we've seen him on trial, and we'll get back into more of that uh, in two weeks. And I say two weeks because we'll have the Olsons with us next week. But last week we talked about Peter in this whole story and where we are with Christ. And we talked about seven steps of failure that Peter took. In the matter of one night, Peter made a series of choices that led him down a staircase to failure. It was one bad choice after another. And man, he ran down them. I mean, it's almost like, have you ever been to the airport? And there's always that one guy who gets on the escalator and feels like he has to run on the escalator. Like, you're already moving fast, man. I'm like, but he's like walking up or down the stairs while the stairs are moving. I feel like that's what Peter did here. I mean, he went light speed down these stairs of failure. So let's recap those together this morning before we look at the seven steps of victory. The first step that we see Peter took is he had confidence in himself. He had this confrontation with Jesus at the Last Supper where Jesus says, hey, look, you guys are going to scatter the word of God. And goes, no. And in that moment, is saying, what I believe and what I think is more important than the words coming out of God's lips in this moment. I mean, we can look in hindsight and see that. I don't think Peter realized it. So the first thing is this step of confidence in self rather than confidence in Christ. That was the first step to failure. Then there was a lack of prayer, because remember, there were disciples in the garden. Jesus had asked a small group to even go further into the garden and to pray with him for this pivotal moment in ministry and in life. Yet Peter was found falling asleep. And see, when you've got confidence in yourself, there's not an urgency to pray, because we think we've got it figured out. We know we know how to do this. We know how to, and we do it all the time in our workplace, in our relationships, and in ministry. We go, oh, I know how to do this. And we don't allow the opportunity to bring things to God, a dependence on God going, Lord, how do you want to do this? How do you want to see this? So one step leads to the next, which leads to our third step, not heeding God's word. He didn't listen to Christ's warning. And because he did not listen, he now finds himself in a deeper mess. So first he's got pride in himself, then he's got a lack of prayer, and now he's not heeding the word of God at all. In fact, he gets, he gets out, out ahead of Christ. He takes out his sword and cuts off the high priest's ear. Why? Because he's not heeding to the word of God in his life. And then we see him start hanging with the wrong crowd. He isolates himself from John. We know of all the disciples, they, they scattered, but John and Peter found themselves in this courtyard to where, where, where Jesus is on trial in the building that they're in front of. And they could have hung out together. But for some reason, Peter is on his own. Now, we don't have any indication on what John was doing, really. We just know that he was there. So we, we don't have his perspective. We only have Peter's. But instead of hanging together, hanging out with the one person that he knew would have a similar heart to his own, he's hanging with the wrong crowd. And then we see Peter begin to fall back into his old habits. He falls into old behaviors. He starts cussing and swearing when the pressure is on. And that led to step six, which is outright, outright denial of Christ. 
But last week when we talked about this, we said there was one more step, the seventh step, and that's self-examination. And it's really important that we get that one because this is the pivotal turning point. He's run the stairs down to failure, but step seven is the opportunity to turn around and start climbing the seven steps to victory because it's brokenness and repentance. And what I love about this step is this, that Peter did not run away. He didn't get a conclusion to his, his problem. It's not for days later that he would be reinstated by Jesus. His last moment with Jesus is when Jesus is being escorted away and they make eye contact and that rooster crows for the final time. And there is a brokenness that comes over him. But he does not run away. He does not isolate himself. Instead, he runs back to the men that he did life with. He runs back to the church. He runs back into the place where he knows he can be encouraged. He knows that he can hear a word from God. He goes to the place when he's unsure about himself, unsure about life. He doesn't isolate himself. He runs back to the church, and that should be our response as well. When we fail Christ, we should not be running away. We should be running to God and running back to God's people to do life together until we can catch our breath and until we have a moment of clarity. So we talked about Peter, and what I want to do is transition to another great man of God to help us with the seven steps of victory. And for a moment, I just want to reflect on Paul. He ended up doing the wrong thing. The of the New Testament. He a side of Paul multiple times. Paul alludes to a struggle going on internally in him, a fight. Our greatest fight is not with our culture. Our greatest fight is not with, with leaders that we don't get along with. Our greatest fight is not in our relationships. Our greatest fight is not at your workplace. Our greatest fight is internally within us. A battle that is going on where, where, where Christ is trying to, to change and transform and develop us and where our flesh is fighting that continually. It's going on. It's happening all day long. And Paul alludes to that. He alludes to the struggle internally within him. If there's not a fight going on internally in you, I don't know how much you're really growing. Because it's in the moments of struggle where growth really happens. And what church culture tends to do is somehow we've said that there's an event that takes place and then the fight is over. But God's word, and we're going to show today, says that's, that's not the case. That when we come to Christ, it's the beginning of a journey of transformation with him. And the struggle goes on, but it's different because we're no longer fighting alone. We're fighting with Jesus, not against him, all right, but with him in some of the deepest parts of our life. So let's talk about seven steps of victory together this morning. Let's talk about step one. Step one is voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in your life. That sounds so easy, but it's so difficult to actually do. Voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in your life, even if the changes are uncomfortable, and they will be. Even when you don't understand what God is necessarily doing, that's okay. 
James 4.10 says this, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. God wants to lift you up. I think sometimes we think we go back to this mindset of, I've got it all figured out. I know how God operates. I know what he's doing. I'm going to be honest with you. The closer I get with Christ, the more mature I get with Christ, I really have no idea what God is doing. What I do have is a direction that he's moving in. And I can get on board with the direction, but I don't know, always have all the details. That's like when people come to me and go, why would God do this? I don't know. Look, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm demystifying the role of pastor. I don't know. But I'll pray with you to, to help us trust that he knows what he's doing. Because I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs. And neither do you. It's a mystery. The Bible tells us that. Oftentimes, the way God moves is a mystery to man because we, we just have a glimpse. We've just got a glimpse. We've just got a small piece of the puzzle that God allows these human bodies to be able to take in. And what that enables us is to get the direction God's going in. Even, even the greatest, when you go back and you look in the Bible, the guy who actually was given a blueprint from God was Noah. Here's how to build an ark. And I'll tell you, the guy still had no clue what was going on. He's like, it's going to rain, okay? It's going to rain. We're building an ark. We're basically building a zoo that's a giant boat. He's like, I don't know how to get these animals in here. I don't know how to take care of these animals. Noah had all sorts of issues, but what he knew is God's moving in direction, and it's better to go with God than against the flow of God. That's what he knew, and that's what we tend to know too. So we've got to volunteer too. All right, this is not perfect. Wear some steel-toed shoes to church. You're not perfect. You are flawed. And so am I. We're flawed. And it takes courage to be able to have a conversation with God. And allow God to identify some areas that he wants to change in our lives. And listen, you got to choose which one to focus on first. Rather than trying to deal with all of the flaws you have, because listen, I'm just going to tell you, you got a lot of them, because so do I. And so did every man and woman that the Bible talks about. They're all flawed. Proverbs 16.9 says, In their hearts, humans plan the course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Proverbs 16.9. You can only become more like Christ and replace the character defects in your life with healthy behaviors and habits. But it takes time. Back years ago, my first church that I was on staff as, as a pastor uh, I was the youth pastor at that point in time. We did a survey in our church, and we went through this process of, of, of grading seven, seven areas of ministry in your church. It was a pretty lengthy process. And the goal was to take the one that scored the lowest and begin to lift it up, begin to work out things to raise that area in our church. Here was the byproduct of that. By focusing in on this one thing and saying, we're going to lift this area up, all the others went up too. And I think sometimes we get so overwhelmed because we look, can look in the mirror and go, there's so much wrong with me. Where do I start? And that takes the leading of God to be able to go, let's work on this today. 
And let's just, and sometimes God gets very specific. And let's work on the specific area within this area. Let's work on this today. Victory happens one step at a time. And listen, I'm going to tell you this. It takes time. It takes time with God. It takes time with the Word. It takes time in prayer. And it takes time to start seeing the changes that you're working on. Your life did not get goofed up overnight. And while God works in miraculous, amazing ways, He is a God who likes to use time as a tool. And it takes time to develop things. A lot of you might be having Super Bowl parties today. It takes time to cook food. I don't want to come to your Super Bowl party if you're serving raw chicken wings. I don't think anybody does. That is not good. That is not healthy. It takes time for them under heat to cook. And in our life, it takes time for the things of God to develop in our life. Don't get discouraged because it's taking time to see transformation takes place. Number three, the third step. Be willing to change your mind. That's a tough one because we think we're right. And we're going to talk about that in two weeks because I don't think God's ever called the church to be right. He's called us to something else, and we'll talk about that. I'll hold that off there. Let that let marinate like a good chicken wing. Uh, and we'll talk about it in two weeks. But be willing to change your mind. Uh, Romans 2.12 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That happens through the word of God being applied to our life. When you became a Christian, you became a new creation. Now the journey involves learning and, and learning how to live in this new life. And it never ends. I, I, what I'm finding is in this season in my life is I'm having to have the help of the Holy Spirit to unlearn some. There are patterns in for me. But the church culture has said, ah, you come to Jesus, you're a new creation, and therefore, whoa, you never have to worry about it. your mind is new. But it's a process. It's a process. We've got to get to the place where we can, we can be stretched in our mind. I don't understand this, this, this backlash against learning and knowledge in the church. And somehow we have said to learn or science or all this, it's against God. He created it all. It's to help us move forward with God. Now, the fact that some people have misinterpreted some scientific things, they don't understand how to read certain things, we've, we've turned that into saying, well, you don't need to learn, you just need faith. God intends us to learn. He gave us a mind to have it expand, to have it grow, to, to, to get to a point where, where you think that you're right, but all of a sudden to have God come along and go, look, I got a different perspective on this. Look, just recently, uh, I had a situation uh, that occurred, and there was a problem in ministry, and some people were, were around, and, and they were dealing with this, and I had to make phone calls, and uh, I was talking with someone, and they said, oh, Pastor, I was looking at this, and I, this is an attack of the enemy, and, and it may have been, I don't know, and, and they said, what's your thoughts on what happened, what transpired in this event? 
And I said, I'm glad you asked that question because I went home the night before praying about, Lord, you know, what do I do with this? How do I lead through this? What, what do I need to do? Do I need to do anything? And then it, it dawned on me, I should start praying, God, what's your perspective on this situation? How do you see it? And all of a sudden, it started to be revealed to me. It was a learning moment. Because in this mess that happened, one of our staff members stepped up to the plate and dealt with the situation, and I was so proud of that staff member for the way they handled it. And I looked at it and I said, this is a good thing that this happened. It gave one of our leaders an opportunity to step up into an area that's challenging, and they did a fantastic job. So I left encouraged. I was excited about what happened. Because it all works out for his glory. And what I could have done is I could have just went into my hobbit hole and said, oh, well, it's so horrible. Why do people have to be so mean? Why do this? It never works out the way that it's supposed to and everything else. And I'm just going to pray against the enemy. And you know what I mean? And I would have missed out on seeing God's perspective on it. I got it, man. I got it, son. This is all developing people. It's amazing how God can change a thought in your mind. Step number four. Turn your character defects over to Christ and rely on his power and strength to help you overcome them. See, there's a difference between acknowledging the fact that I've got problems, figuring out what those problems are, but then there's another step. We've got to deal with the problems. And I think for the people who have the courage to identify the problems, sometimes that's as far as we go. We get up three steps and then we stop. Okay, I've identified I've got issues. But now it's stepping in and saying, releasing things to God and saying, God, I need your power available to start dealing with this internal stuff in my life. I need you in my life to start working through the brokenness to the things that, that are so messed up I don't even know how to get out of. I need you to step in here. James 4.10, I know we read this, but I want to read it again. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. I'd rather have God lift me up than to lift up myself. I love Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 as well, because it says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. We have a God who's humble in heart. We need yoke is easy. And as a pastor, one of this passage of scripture, what I often find is I have switched out the throne of importance in my life for what Christ thinks to what someone else thinks. When the burden is heavy, it's often because I'm trying to win someone else's favor. I'm trying to appease someone else more than I am trying to appease my Savior. Like even, I'll just, I'm going to be transparent with you, right? I'm just trying to be real and show you real examples of this. On Wednesday night, I got done teaching this and I thought, you know, right, moving on to the next thing. And then this stirring in my spirit of like, Matt, I think somebody needs to hear this. I think I ought to preach this on Sunday morning. But it bothered me because I'm like, what would everybody think that came on Wednesday that comes to church? They're like, our pastor's lazy. His memory really is bad. He can't remember. He just taught this. You know, and the, the devil whispers those things in your mind. And as I was wrestling through this, I mean, I, I wrote a message. I got it. It's sitting over there in the binder for this morning. And as I was wrestling through this, I, I just realized, I'm like, am I going to listen to the other voices 
And am I going to worry about things that maybe haven't even taken place and what people think about me? Or am I going to be obedient to the Spirit? And then I start having a conversation with God, and it's like, God asks the question, what if I tell you to preach the same message twice, like one Sunday and then another Sunday, what are you going to do? I'm not saying that that's happening, but I'm like, you know, all of a sudden it's like, ooh, ooh. I'm like, would you be obedient? I'm like, okay, let's do the right thing, God. Let's do the right thing. Let's look at the next step here, step number five. Live one, day at, that, live one day at a time. So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of tomorrow too. Live one day at a time, Matthew 6, 34. I've heard it said that if you have one foot in yesterday and one foot in tomorrow, you miss out on today, which is a gift. That's why we call it the present. And the fact is, is I think so much of the time, We're living in the past, or we're living in the future. And look, I'm all for prep. I mean, I, I'm a guy, I like to have vision. Uh, that challenged me when I was a Chi Alpha director. Somebody said, look, start working out to be a, be a year in advance of things that you want to do in ministry. That really challenged me, and I started to do that, and I still try to do that. I don't quite get a year out, but I'm always almost six months out thinking about where we're going, if not more. It's, uh, just the other day, I was working on Easter stuff. I can hardly believe that we're talking about Easter, but yeah, we were working on Easter this week. And sometimes you can have one foot so thought, thinking about the future and the things that need to happen, and then you can have one foot in the past with all the things that you go, oh, I messed up, I goofed up, this was over, why did I do that, and everything else. We miss out on living in the moment, in the moments God has for us today. Look, it's cold outside, but man, it's nice to see some sunshine. And how much time do we miss on the things that God's given us to enjoy in the moment? Because we're too worried about what our job needs to do tomorrow. Or setting stuff up for our kids to be productive and we never spend time with our kids. We're talking about the things and dreams that we'll do with our spouse when we're, we're missing a moment to actually live with our spouse. Or the things we'll do as, as friends one day and then never get there and never do it. We've got to live one day at a time. And we've got to enjoy the present of today. To be present in the presence. God wants. I want to say that again. And who began a good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. When are you a done product? When is God done working in you? When he returns. One of two things is going to happen when you are finished. God is going to call you home and the ticker and your lungs no longer work on the side of eternity, he calls us home, great, your job is done. Or he's coming back, and we're all going home. Those are the two options. Until one of those two things happen, you're at work in progress. Hallelujah. 
Thank goodness I'm a work in progress and God isn't done yet working in and through me. And thank goodness he's not done working in you. Yet sometimes we're so focused in our, our, our Christian culture on the event, on I've arrived, I've planted my flag. Here's the thing, once we climb a mountain and we're victorious in a mountain in our life, there's another whole range of mountains to climb. And that's not to discourage us, that's exciting. Because it's never boring following Jesus. There's always another hill to climb. There's always something else God wants to do internally within us. He's not done working in us. He's not done working in you. Don't get discouraged. It's a process. Number seven, you must choose to change. God will not force you to become what he has created you to be. He created you to be an original masterpiece, one of a kind, no one else like you. God is not in cook making cookies. He doesn't have a cookie cutter and go, everybody's going to look exactly like this. He is infinitely creative. You are one of a kind in the way that you think, in the way that you process, in the way that you react, in how you look, where you're from, your background, your DNA. You are one of a kind, and you are to be celebrated as a masterpiece in Christ. Are you willing to let him do the work he needs to change and transform you? The change is active, but we must be participants for it to happen. The word said, God gives strength to the humble. So give yourself humbly to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And when you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. James 4, 6 through 8. Thank goodness we have a God who says, when you draw close to me, I don't hold you at a distance. I draw close to you. My presence is available to you. All you got to do is ask. You fall down, you fall short, you mess up. You're morally bankrupt. The moment that you come before God and you just say, Jesus, I need you. He is there. You are in the presence of God when you call upon his name. He is not hidden. You have access to the throne room of God anytime that you want it. You've got to decide to make a change. To truly overcome, you have to be serious about it. You can't put a half-hearted effort in. Proverbs 6, 3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. We, we have this thing that we think there's only one possible choice, right? Everything comes down to black and white. It's one possible choice. And while there are things in life that are black and white, I'm going to tell you, I think there is a wide spectrum of color. And we keep going, what if I, what if I, like some young people in here just graduated college, and you're like, what if I make the wrong decision about my career? What if I go to the wrong? I told you, as long as God. And if you're in a place as gracious, Jonah wasn't even trying better about getting you there. I mean, goodness gracious, Jonah wasn't even trying to follow God, and God still got him to Nineveh. If a guy who's in rebellion, God can get him in the right place, you don't think that somebody who's humbled and trying to make the right choices in their life, that God can't put you where he needs you? 
Yeah, you, you might be working one job for a while, and God might call you to have a career switch halfway through. We just recently read about a former Chi Alpha student who has a great job in pharmacy. God told him to hang it up and become a lead pastor, and now he's leading a church. God can put you right where you need to be at exactly the right time. Let's talk about change for just a minute, and then we'll close. How do you make change in your life? I'm going to rapid fire these really quickly. We're going to go to letters because we've already gone through the steps, so let's go to letters. A, specifically define what, your desi- what, what you desire to do. Daniel was very specific in what he prayed to and what he committed to in his life. Daniel 1 uh, verse 8 says this, but Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with wine which he drank. Daniel realized there was a transition in his life. He had already made up a decision that as I step into this, I've already made up my mind about how I'm going to handle this. What if we already, what if we said, I'm already made up my mind tomorrow morning when I roll out of bed, I am committed to being in the presence of God. I'm committed to asking God to come in my life and direct my steps tomorrow morning. What if we started being intentional on our relationship with Jesus? How would it change and transform who we are? To specifically define your desire of what you want to do. B, identify triggers because we all have triggers that fall, help us fall back into old habits. What specific things, environments, feelings, or circumstances tend to trigger the negative response that you wish to overcome in your life? What makes you mad? What makes you upset? What makes you respond in that aggressive manner? What is it? James 1, 14 and 15 says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. When we identify triggers in our life that we begin to walk down negativity and begin to walk down bad choices, if we can identify that, we can come up with a game plan to help us avoid falling into those triggers, which is, num- which is letter C. Create boundaries to protect, or, sorry, create a boundary of protection around you. Don't put yourself in a situation where that temptation becomes an issue. Or you've got to put a boundary in your life to say, I am not going to step into that falling when I've got this kind of interaction. So let me give you an example of how not to do this. Years ago in ministry, I had somebody come up to me and say, Pastor, I've got angry anger issues. So whatever you do as lead pastor, don't make me angry. I'm like, I don't think you understand how this works. That's, that's not a boundary. That's enablement. We've got to confront that and figure out how to work through some of your anger issues, right? We've got to create boundaries. I love what Job said in Job 31.1. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust upon a young woman. Job made a specific plan of action because he realized there are some great-looking women, but I've decided to take a covenant with my eyes that when I see something and I know that my mind will start going places, I'm looking in a different direction. I'm making this deal with myself that I'm going to take responsibility. And if my eyes are starting to look at something and I know my mind well enough that I know the steps it'll take, then it's my decision to change where my focus is at. The way that we think. Whatever you do, don't make me angry. Fight not with each other, but for one another. 
We're, we're set up in our life to connect and to do this thing called life together. And it should be okay for you to go to somebody and say, man, I'm really struggling with this. Will you fight by my side? Will you get my back as I work through this process? Uh, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. We're designed to do life together. Robin, would you come back to the piano? I'm going to have Robbie do something before we engage in our last worship set today. E, hide God's word in your heart. There's a lot of people that seem to avoid this step. But see, the only way you can hide God's word in your heart is to apply God's word in your heart. David recognized the sin, uh, sin uh, restraining power. That, let me put it this way. David realized that the only way he was going to overcome the sin issue in his life was with, was, was, was with living out God's word, applying the word of God. Psalms 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. The only way to do this is apply it. If all you're doing is reading, if all you do is just read the words, but you never stop and contemplate what those words mean or how do I put them into action in my own life, you might as well be reading the dictionary. Because all you're doing is, is the power is not in the word itself. The power is in the application of the word. There are so many people who can quote verses but yet don't have the power of God in their life. Why? Because they're not applying the word of God within their life. And F, utilize the power of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you're tempted, whenever you're frustrated, whenever you're at the end of your rope, allow yourself to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. If we are under his control, we'll have victory. That's why Paul said, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. And somehow in, in church culture, again, we got this wrong and so we put silos, and we're like, we got the Jesus silo, and we've got people, the word of God is over here, and how important the word of God is, and it's important. And then we got people over here, and it's like, all you need is the Holy Spirit. And somehow we've separated the two. They can't be separated because they're the same thing. Jesus was the living word of God. He was the word of God with flesh on. And he lived by the spirit of God. So it's not one or the other. When we read a word of God and we apply the word of God, the Holy Spirit is at work within us. It's a package deal. It's not like you can do it a la carte. You know, it's like, you know what? I'll take Jesus and the word, but not the Holy Spirit today. No, it's a package deal. They come together. They can't be separated. There's a lot of work that a Christian has to do to work through the process God has for us. But I want to be very clear. And we're going to take a moment in worship, and I'm going to direct you in a time of worship that's probably very different from a lot of you. For a lot of you, you've probably never maybe even done this. But you need to hear my words this morning. Everything we laid out is the tools to help us continue to grow. 
But God will never love you more than he does right now. As I've grown and matured in my relationship with Jesus, I see a different Jesus than I saw when I was young. But I'm extremely passionate about his love for me 20 years ago. That same passion resides today. And it's not about what I've done. It's not about the things I've accomplished in God's kingdom. I haven't won his favor or won his, his, his love in my life because I chose to follow the calling. He's, he loves me. And he loves you. There is nothing that you can do to earn God's love. It's because of his love in our life that we want to transform more. Do you get it? We got it all backwards. We try to change so that God will love me. He loves you now. And it's because his love takes hold that we want to see transformation. Because if he loves us in our mess, in our junk, isn't he worthy then for us to give an attempt to try to walk in his ways? Isn't he worthy enough for us to say, you love me so much, I want to be changed and transformed. So I asked Robbie to play this song. We're going to have the words up there. I don't want you to sing. I think sometimes we're like worship. It's all about us singing, and, and there's time for that. There's a praise is a part of a worship experience. But sometimes worship needs to be a reflection on just what God wants to speak in our hearts. And the words of the song that Robbie's going to, going to play for us is so much about God's enough and that you're enough when you, when you just accept his love. It's a powerful song. So before we go on and we sing and we praise, can God just speak to your heart through a song? Robbie, would you lead us in that song, Jaira? I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Going through a storm. But I won't go down I hear your voice Carried in the rhythm of the wind To call me out You would cross an ocean So I wouldn't drown You've never been closer than you are right now Jaira you are enough, Jaira. You are enough, and I will be content in every circumstance, Jaira. You are enough, 
Forever enough, always enough, more than enough. Forever enough, always enough, more than enough. I don't want to forget how I feel right now on the mountaintop. I can see so clearly what it's all about. Stay bound. Jireh, you are enough. And I will be content in every circumstance. Forever enough, always enough, more than enough. Forever enough, always enough, more than enough. I'm already loved, I'm already chosen. I know who I am, I know what you've spoken. I'm already loved more than I can imagine, and that is enough. I'm already loved, I'm already chosen, I know who I am, I know what you've spoken. I'm already loved more than I can imagine, and that is enough, and that is enough, and that is enough, that is enough. team if you'd come to the platform before we praise and worship let's just do a little heart work here today for some here that you haven't been working on yourself and God's saying it's time to start working on things in your mind and your heart again because I'm not done working in you but for every one of those people, there are people here watching online or here today, and you're striving so hard to be the, the mom that you think you should be, to be, be the employee that you think you should be. You're trying so hard to win an award or, or, or to get some type of accommodation or, 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 or some type of, of tr trophy in your life, some type of title. And this morning, God is saying, you're enough. 
You're enough because I'm enough. Mom, hear me. You are a great mom because God made you a mom. Doesn't mean that there's not work to be done that you can't improve, but you are a great mom. Not because I say it, but because God says it. Just keep putting God at the center. The person who's struggling at work to to climb the corporate ladder, to move to the next rung. What if you never get there? What What if that job promotion never comes? Is it enough that you're where God wants you to be? You're a, you've been a, you're watching online and you realize you're a, you've been a, a long way from God. Maybe you're more like Peter and, and you walk down the, the steps, but instead of turning back and clinging to the church and clinging to the word of God and his presence, maybe you ran and you're in isolation. You just tuned in this morning or you walked through the door today. I want opportunity for you to reconnect with Christ. If you need the Savior today, I want to pray with you. Would you pray along with me in this moment? Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, my life is messed up, and I have been driving my own way for a long time. I've been running my own race. And I realized this morning it is not working. Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you change and transform my life. I humble myself saying I I can't sit in the throne anymore of my own life. I need a savior to sit there. I need a savior to drive. Would you come in? Would you change and transform me? I believe that you are the son of God, that you came, that you died, that you rose again. And in this moment, you're calling my name. You're calling me into a relationship with you. And I accept that relationship prayed that prayer this morning, let us know. We want to celebrate with you. But church, God is calling you to continue to grow. He loves you so much. He's calling you to continue to grow in his ways. Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray over you, and then Robbie is going to lead us in our last two worship songs today, and he'll close us in prayer for our offering. I love you, church, but I love you because God loves you. He put that love in my heart. And you're amazing. You're amazing. But your work isn't done. The work that God wants to do in your life, it's not finished. And my my heartbeat as a pastor is when you look back on your life two years from now, that you wouldn't even recognize who you were because you've grown so much in Christ's character. You've grown so much in applying God's word, you you don't even recognize who you used to be because God is creating something new within you. Lord, I thank you for this amazing church body that we are a work in progress. We're not done, but we are loved. We are embraced in your presence. Lord, your word says that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. You have spoken some amazing things in our life today. You've challenged us with some great steps to help us move forward in victory in areas of our life. And Lord, you've told us the most important thing, that we are loved by you. 
that you love us so much that you are enough for us. Lord, let us accept your love and may your love inspire us to move forward and to want to grow into the masterpiece that you are creating. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, we want to leave this place celebrating you and who we are in you. So, Lord, we want to draw close one more time before we leave this place today and go about our separate lives and the different things that we'll be doing. God, we want to just draw close to you in worship one last time and celebrate your presence here. In Jesus' name, amen. Robbie, would you lead us in those last two songs and close us in prayer? Not Jesus, I surrender to Him I freely and I i
Take it all, take it all, my life in your hand. Yes, my heart is yours. My heart is yours. Take it all, take it all, my life in your hand. we surrender our lives before you. We are not our own. We belong to you. And you love us like no other. There is nothing that can separate us from your love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. God, you hold us 
and you never let us go. God, remind us of that this week. As we sing this last song, you never let go. Remind us of your love that we might continue to grow in you. In Jesus' name.
through the calm and through the storm. Oh no, you never let go. Every high and every low. Oh no, you never let go, Lord. You never let go of me. Just one last time. Oh no, you never let go. Through the calm and through the storm. Oh no, you never let go. Every high and every low. Oh no, you never let go. Lord, you never let go of me. Lord, you never let go of me. Lord, you never let go of me. God, you never let go of us. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to meet together as a church family as we go our separate ways and when we face life. God, remind us of your love for us. Whatever is waiting for us at home this week, God, I pray that we would take to heart the word that was shared with us this morning, that we would apply it to our lives and live out our worship day after day. And now, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give of our tithes and our offerings to you. Thank you how you are providing for this church. God, I pray that more people would come to know you as Lord and Savior. God, that people's lives would be changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we surrender our lives to you. Have your way in us, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.